follow her work on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Welcome to 60 Minute Overtime, Fall 2016, Episode 5. Today is November 5th. Obviously, 2016, uh, we are in Daylight Savings Time. It is 11 a.m., 11.01 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm your host, Danielle McCartan. We are streaming live. Listen to this. Definitely on Periscope. I have five uh, viewers right now, six, um, at Coach McCartan on Periscope. Also, Facebook Live. I hooked up my iPad, and we are set to go. We have one, two viewers right now on Facebook Live. Um, Jack He's helping me get this all set up and oriented here, and it uh, looks like we're ready to go on that as well. So I have this is kind of cool. I'm looking at myself in two different cameras here, one phone, one iPad. If you guys want to jump out, you guys can listen online, obviously, uh, WRPR-FM, 90.3 FM, um, North Jersey. You can go on to uh, Facebook, facebook.com. Everybody has a Facebook, facebook.com slash Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, and on Periscope, at Coach McCartan as well. Why listen? When you can watch. <laughs> you guys are going to see everything I'm doing here. <laughs> this is kind of cool. Uh, on YouTube, you can find my work on YouTube. You just search uh, Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, all my Interviews will come up there, soundcloud.com slash Coach McCartan, and on my iTunes official podcast, all you have to go on to is the iTunes store and click um, in the search bar, Coach space M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Uh, now, we have a lot set up for you guys today. I have a lot set up for you guys today. Um, today's guest, 11.15, we're going to hear, hear from Greg Larnard from CBS Sports for his fantasy football segment. This week, immediately following that, uh, it's a very interesting thing we have on for you today. It's, it's He's a country music star, and he's a Nash Next competition winner. His name is Todd O'Neill. Um, if you haven't heard his music, go check it out now because I am now a fan. But he and I talk about New Orleans Saints football. Uh, he's a big Saints fan from Louisiana, uh, and it was a great conversation. That was pre-recorded uh, the other day, and I'll just uh, play that for you guys. And, you know... I've never been to a New Orleans Saints home game at the Superdome, but he does a great job of explaining it. And actually, he's going to be singing the national anthem on December 4th there. So I asked him about singing the national anthem. And what does he also think about the player protest? Is he worried that people are going to protest him, his national anthem? Uh, in the meantime, let's get right into this. So we have we have new World Series champions, the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs, who the, the lovable loser Chicago Cubs, who have not won a World Series since 1908, are now champions of the world. Which, uh, you know, any other year, I mean, they played the, the, the Cleveland Indians. In any other year, the Cleveland Indians, not winning since 1948, I think, they would have been the favorite. Now, here the Cubs are with a longer World Series drought, and they are... You know, the favorites coming into this, this game, they were down in the series, and then they ended up winning it, winning, I think, four in a row to win, the, win it. So the final game, game seven, which was, um, I mean, even I stayed up to watch it, and then there was a rain delay, and that's kind of when I turned it off. But Chicago was leading 5-1, to one, then 6-3. to three, The Indians chopped it down, and then it was 6-3. to three. Huh, The Indians chopped it down. Aroldis Chapman, who is the Cubs' shutdown closer, came in to relieve John Lester. And the guy throws fire. I mean, he he was on the Yankees. I got to see him pitch for the Yankees. I mean, the snap of the glove after that 105-mile-an-hour fastball came in was just really, really something incredible. I have never seen it before in my life. And and not just once. The guy hit it consistently. So he is basically the Cubs' Mariano Rivera. And he comes in, 
to relieve John Lester, and he allowed a Brandon Geyer RBI double, along with a Rajai Davis game-tying two-run home run. Now we're in the eighth inning, tie game, and that's where I turned it off because there was a 17-minute rain delay. I didn't know how long the rain delay was going to be, obviously, so I turned it off. Then uh, they, they ended up going 10 innings, and, um, you know, after that, it was like a storybook. Cubs' Kyle Schwarber hit a base hit. He got replaced by pinch runner Albert Almora Jr., who then advanced to second base on a Chris Bryan flyout. I mean, this is all small ball. The Cubs know how to play small ball, and that's what wins championships, to be honest with you. Can't rely on the long ball. Then the Indians decided to intentionally walk Anthony Rizzo, which I think I would have too. That was a smart move. And they instead elected to face Ben Zobrist. Ben Zobrist, as you know, hits an RBI double. Miguel Montero had the other RBI after a single. So the final score of that game was 8-7 to seven Cubs. Not without criticism, though. Okay, there was a little bit of criticism. Uh, manager uh, Joe Madden was criticized for replacing Hendricks on the Cubs, who was still pitching pretty well. So Hendricks starts the game. The fifth inning, John Lester comes in for some reason. Um, and then Chapman comes in after that. But it appeared to be that it was a bad decision when Lester entered the game because he had a rocky start right off the bat. Then he ended up blowing, throwing three solid innings, and that was eventually relieved by Chapman in the eighth. Uh, was it a little bit overmanaging? Yeah, of course it was. Um, why would you change your starting pitcher who who is pitching well? And why would you put John Lester in for him? And I think had the Cubs lost, that would have been a little bit more under the microscope, we should say. Uh, but it all worked out. It all worked out for the Cubs over there in Chicago. So Friday was the parade. Uh, the ticker tape parade over in Chicago. Now it was seven miles. Now these people have not seen a ticker tape parade for the Chicago Cubs in in their lifetimes. They had on the news this morning even people that are like 91 years old, 100 years old, watching it from, from their living rooms because they've never seen it before. So it was uh, the seventh largest public celebration. Five million people went. The entire city of Chicago pretty much shut down that day. And uh, it was seven miles. They Five million people packed over seven miles. I think that should have been a little longer parade, if you ask me. Because if you've seen any of the pictures, I mean, it's like hundreds of people deep. They ha- And then in the parade route, they had them on buses, so they were a little higher up, which is good, so everybody can maybe get a, get a glance. But I think uh, in that sense, it's the... I was there kind of feel, not the I saw them, I touched them kind of thing. Because I remember I went in 2009 when the Yankees won the World Series and again when the Giants won the Super Bowl in 2009. I went to both parades. The Yankee parade was, was um, don't even get me started on that. We, we were the first people there, the first people. We wanted a front row seat. And then right before the parade started, uh, and the good old NYPD told us that they needed that section and we needed to move. Like, what? Why couldn't you tell us that four hours ago? And so uh, so we were standing there, and we moved like basically across the street. Now we were not on the railing anymore. I was not happy. Guess who went into our, in our where we were just standing? The friends and family of the NYPD. That is what I did not like about that. And uh, I hope that didn't happen over there in, in Chicago. But uh, I think the seven-mile parade route for 100 years should have been at least, I don't know, 10 miles maybe. So people wouldn't have had to, to pack in so tightly, and, and maybe they can get a better view. And the Giants parade, when I went to the Giants parade here in 2009, we kind of got there a little late. We took the train in. It was real late. 
There's a funny story with that, too. A big group of us went, and uh, we got to downtown, the Canyon of Heroes. We got downtown, and uh, some of our friends, some of our male friends, were ta- tackled by a lady, tackled to the ground by a lady NYPD officer. And we just kept running. And uh, we, we made it to the parade. We saw a little bit of it. And uh, that was kind of a fun story. And they had to go home. They had to come back. And we got to stay. Also in Chicago, the parade obviously was Friday. And the city dyed the Chicago River blue. Uh, that that reminds me of when Italy won the World Cup in 2000 and, God, I think six, 2006. Italy won the World Cup in soccer. They dyed the Trevi Fountain red. What is it with people dyeing water the co- the color different colors? I don't get it. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but if you guys just Google it, you'll see the Chicago River dyed totally blue in honor of the Cubs, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Now, I had talked to at a Min Pros and, and J Irwin Productions event uh, back. Oh, I don't even know when that was. A couple a uh, couple weeks ago, September fifth actually. September fifth it was. I talked to Jimmy Lairitz about a lot of different things and. He told me a story that I, I didn't I didn't believe. So this is my little bonus coverage here. My question to you is, what would the 1996 World Series parade in New York, the Canyon of Heroes, be without hotshot newcomer shortstop Derek Jeter and Jimmy Lairitz, It's the Game 4 hero. That's a true story. It, it almost happened. If you want to read the story, I wrote it up on my website, prosportsrundown.com. And uh, I'm going to let Jimmy Lairitz explain this one to you guys. So here it is. For her to sit down. So You and Derek Jeter yeah. took a subway to the 96 World Series. That's a story in itself. Yeah, that's Derek's biggest fear ever. <laughs> he never took the subway. And we woke up late that morning, and we grabbed the police officer, and we said, listen, can we get an escort down to the, you know, the parade? He's like, you're not going to make it on the streets. Everybody closed everything off. He said, the only way you're going to make it is subway. And I said, okay, let's go. And I took the subway every day. To me, it was no big deal. But he was like, I don't know about this. I said, Derek, I'm putting my wife and my two-year-old. Yeah. It's okay. Let's go. So we all went, got on the subway, took the subway down. And, yeah, one of the guys here, and he said, yeah, you know, you came on. You all were standing up. You had your son with you. I let your wife have a seat. I'm like, okay, that's Oh, that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah. That's a cool story. story. Yeah, so. So getting to the night. So can you imagine uh, rookie Derek Jeter Scared to take the subway, but that's his only way to get to the game. I mean, to get to the to ticker tape parade for him. Lyric seemed pretty okay with it, which is fine. But I think that's a pretty amazing story. Can you imagine? You're a fan. By the way, 1.5 million people came out to that parade in uh, 1996. I was still too, a little bit too young. But 1.5 million people come out to that parade and then Derek Jeter gets out. The door, subway doors open. You're just minding your own business. Subway doors open, and Derek Jeter and Jimmy Lairitz walk in. I mean, what? I, would, I don't even know what I would do, to be honest with you. So uh, after that, he – not many people know that story, uh, by the way. And after that, he uh, – after the interview, when the camera stopped, he was like, hey, uh, just tried to give you something and that not a lot of people know. So I, I appreciate that from him. So we are moving into now fantasy uh, fantasy football today. Obviously, is Week Nine action in the NFL. Uh, a lot of good, great matchups today. I tell you, I I am out of my um, my survivor pool. Still, pretty salty about the clanged field goal 
clanged off the uh, right upright field goal from the Falcons. I didn't really like that, and uh, I, I'd still be in, to be honest with you. But I'm in the second chance pool, and my, my pick this week is going to be, or it is, I've locked it in, it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs over the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's been a lot of turnover over there in Jacksonville. Blake Bortles, he's not going to be able to get it done against the Kansas City defense today, even though the Chiefs are playing with their like second-string quarterback. Alex Smith, I think, is out with concussion-like symptoms, but still, even though... Even then, even then, there's no way that the Jaguars can win this game. They are It's the biggest point spread of, of the week. It's a 7.5 point, point spread. So the, the, um, I kind of look at that, too, as, as a, I don't look at it first. I make my pick, and then I, then I look at it. And that's sort of like affirmation, like, did I do a good job or not? So um, the uh, Chiefs are 7.5 point favorites, which is the biggest spread of the week. And obviously, as you know, in Survivor Pools, you cannot pick the same team twice. So my, my picks are wearing thin. I, I originally had the Vikings, had them first, but they have the, an offensive coordinator that quit on them this week. North Turner, just kind of up and left. And I was just listening to ESPN radio on the way in, and no one really seems to know why he left just yet. So uh, I, I don't know, and I'm, I have... As, as a result of that, I don't have confidence in the Vikings offense to pull this one off. So that is, even even though I think the Vikings are five and one or, or six and one or something, still I, I won't uh, I won't go with them. I, I have the Chiefs, the Chiefs over the Jags today. This is Greg Larner from CBS Sports Radio. Um, he is the weekly fantasy sports guru. So you have um, just a couple minutes here to get some questions in, last minute questions, Greg. We don't have any questions online, uh, as, as always, but um, he's going to look at, uh, tell us who's this week's inactives and, and how they pertain to uh, fantasy football. So uh, go ahead, Greg, take it away. All right, so I'm looking over the inactives, and by the way, Danielle, that's a great story from Jim Lehrer's, uh <laughs> right? to take the subway to the parade. That was pretty cool. I was listening right before I jumped on, and that is a great story. One of my favorites, actually. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, so inactive-wise, uh, a couple of the guys that we already know that are going to be ruled out, uh, running back Spencer Ware, he's got a concussion, so Charkandrick West will jump in there. We'll talk a little bit about him. I heard you just mention Alex Smith. He's going to be out with a head injury as well, so Nick Foles will be the guy <coughs> Excuse me, in Kansas City. There's so many injuries going on in Kansas City. you got Spencer Ware, Alex Smith, Jamal Charles. He's on injured reserve. Uh, another running back we're looking at, James Starks, is out. Obviously, we know Tony Romo is going to be Dak Prescott again this week. He'll be facing the uh, Cleveland Browns this week, so that should be a nice nice matchup for him. The tight end for the Tennessee Titans, Hunter Henry's out. Oh, let's see. And that's pretty much it for the skill position players. Now, a couple of guys that in the early games you really have to watch out for. I was reading up on this this morning. But as of about 8 o'clock this morning, Ben Roethlisberger was still kind of up in the air. Yeah. They said even if he is active, he may just – serve as the backup he may not start so in case uh Landry Jones gets hurt he may have to get pressed into duty into action uh but they're thinking he may be active but he might just be in that backup quarterback role so if if you are looking for a contingency plan I told a friend of mine to not play Jameis Winston and to start Ben Roethlisberger because everything that I had heard he was taking first team reps he was practicing he was feeling good and it comes out today where yeah he's good but they may want to be 
a little bit cautious with him and just activate him, but maybe as a backup. So if you did that, if you were like me and kind of made that mistake mm-hmm. and sat Jameis Winston, who threw three touchdown passes on Thursday night, by the way, no interceptions, you might be looking for a contingency plan. And Nick Foles is a guy who's available on most waiver wires. I would go and pick him up if you have a, an opportunity to, because like you were mentioning before, your lock uh, in your survivor pool the Jaguars, they're going to be the Jaguars defense, and they are not very good. They leave a lot to be desired. Right. And so I think Nick Foles will, will have a pretty decent game for you. He showed some signs of life. He's comfortable with Andy Reid, obviously, in that system in Kansas City. We saw he didn't fare well in well, St. Louis at the time with the Rams um, under uh, Fisher. But he's comfortable with Andy Reid. I think that's a good play there. Uh, a couple other guys you're looking at, wide receiver Steve Smith Sr. He's he's really up in the air. Same thing as of 8 o'clock this morning. I, I heard the Baltimore Ravens were preparing for life with and without him where they, they had two different game plans. So that's basically as, as questionable as you can get with Steve Smith Sr. Des Bryant's on the questionable list, but he's on uh, intensive purposes. He's going to play today and should have a big game. Jeremy Macklin has a groin injury, but he should go. Uh, Devontae Parker, wide receiver for the Dolphins, he should go too. He was questionable with a hamstring injury. Uh, Theo Riddick's got an ankle injury, but he should go as well. And I'm hearing Jarek McKinnon. Uh, we talked a little bit about him last week with Asiata, uh, you know, playing, whether to play him or not. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, I think, will be back in the starting lineup today. So Asiata kind of gets downgraded a little bit today as uh, McKinnon will be the starting running back. And then the later games, a couple of the players that we're looking out for, running back Carlos Hyde for the San Francisco 49ers. He's very questionable with a shoulder injury and, um, he, he, I read something yesterday about him that he is kind of thinking back on his experience last year with an injury that he had, and he just came back way too soon, and it was it got it got worse, and he wasn't able to kind of finish out the season that they wanted to. So he's going to kind of take that conservative approach. I think he's got a shoulder injury, and he's worried about people, you know, obviously falling on him and diving on him, and and, and just kind of driving it it the injured shoulder into the turf. So I would kind of shy away from. Carlos Hyde, if you have a, a different option on your bench, I would kind of go with that. Uh, Dwayne Allen, is, he's questionable with an ankle injury, but I think he should get on the field. Randall Cobb is a very interesting one. He hasn't missed a game since 2013 when he, I believe, he broke his collarbone for the Packers, and he's got a hamstring injury. He was held out last week, and in all intents and purposes, it looks like he's going to be held out again today because... They have already had their bye. He hasn't had a lot of time to rest and recuperate. The Packers got some good weapons in the wide receiving court. I think, in the way I'm feeling about this and the things that I've read, Danielle, is that I think he'll be inactive today. I think they'll take the conservative approach with Cobb and then he'll kind of back off of it. I think, Another, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think, I think that would be a smart move because I don't see, <clears throat> sorry, my throat hurts a little bit, but I don't see the Colts being much of a, uh, a, a challenge for the Packers this week. So I think that might be a smart move. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, they have plenty of options. They can beat that secondary without a Randall Cobb. And if you give them an extra week to rest, that's great. It's only going to help in the long run. Okay, a couple more here just to finish up. You have Travis Benjamin and Tyrell Williams, both the wide receivers with the the, uh, Chargers. They're questionable with both knee injuries. And uh, in all, everything that I'm hearing, they're going to go today uh, just kind of just kind of being cautioned, cautioned with them because they've lost wide receivers uh, in Stevie's, I believe it's uh, Steve Johnson, Stevie Johnson, and um, 
Keenan Allen as well. You know, so they are kind of in at the wide receiver position. They've they've kind of given Benjamin and and Williams some week, you know, days off to rest during practice throughout the week. And so I think they'll end up playing. And then the big one here, I think, is Amari Cooper. He's going that Sunday night game. He's questionable with a back injury, but I think I, he should play as well. Uh, but it's, it would be a good idea. It'd be it would be advantageous of you to kind of go out there and grab a, another player in one of those later games, just in case, maybe like a Seth Roberts, just in case uh, Amari Cooper doesn't play. So you have him on your bench. You can switch it if need be. Well, now I have a question here. Uh, for the Broncos, is Aqib Talib good to go? No, I think he's out. I think he's out this week, which will help Derek Carr and help yeah. that offense for the uh, the Oakland Raiders mm-hmm. to hurt uh, the Denver defense a little bit as well. So I'm, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm hyped up for that matchup on Sunday night because, you know, we've seen some good things out of the Raiders this year. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr is, is kind of coming into his own. He's got those two wide receivers on the outside with Cooper and Crabtree. The running game's been a little sporadic. The mm-hmm. defense has been a little sporadic, but they've been able to outscore opponents. And they're going to take on one of the toughest, best passing defenses in the National Football League. And we'll talk a little bit about it when we get started in the stadium. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this matchup tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch it, too. I think I'm like a newfound Raider fan, to be honest with you. Me, too. <laughs> I love Derek Carr. I, I, my uncle's a big um, Raider guy. And, man, I, we were talking about it like before the year. And, and I was really high. I know a lot of people were like, well, you know, it was like Blake Bortles or Derek Carr, the next young, great quarterback. Yeah. And I was always in the Derek Carr camp. Me too. You know, Me too. Bortles is kind of like that garbage time guy. Like, he had a terrible game last Thursday against the Tennessee Titans. And you go back and you look at his line, and it was it was a great line where he threw for over 300 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Yeah. You know, he just—he's a garbage time player. I don't think the, the Jacksonville Jaguars are ever really going to win anything with Blake Bortles. No. So, do you think I, I made the right decision, Chiefs over Jaguars today? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. all right, that's all the inactives I've got. You want to get into the stardom cinema? I know you're a little pressed for time. We yeah. got about six minutes or so here left. All right, give me give me like your your top your top number one stardom cinemas for. We'll do quarterback, wide receiver, and. Running back. How's that? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. So we've got, you know, my my top guy, and of course the top guy in uh consensus number one at quarterback right now is Aaron Rodgers. Uh he's got big time volume. You know, he's going up against the Colts. We talked about the depleted secondary. You guys know that, you know, Aaron Rodgers obviously had a great start this week. But I'm gonna look at a different guy because I mentioned this guy on my show and hey, I, I really like Greg, I just want to interrupt you for one second. We got a phone call coming in. I'm sure. kinda of shocked. I'll patch him through to both of us. We can both talk sure. to this person. Sixty minute overtime. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Chris from Awa. Chris from Awa. Do you have a fantasy football question? Um I I had regular football. I was just wanted to talk regular football. I could talk fantasy, but <laughs> oh, whatever you want. We have the fantasy football expert on right now or we can talk football. Go ahead. What do you got? Yeah. What do you got for us? I want to talk about how the Jets are screwing themselves. Uh, no, no big picture. Uh, they don't see the big picture. You know, you got to look at Theo Epstein, the way he's turned around two franchises that haven't won championships in France. It's about a building process. Correct. The, 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 you know, the prize at the end of the tunnel, way at the end of the tunnel. Jets winning a couple games here, hurting their draft stock. You know, uh, it's going to be the same old Jets picking in the middle rounds or in the middle of the draft once again. Yep. You know, it's absolutely dumpster fire over there. How do you see that the Jets rebound from this? What do you think? What do you think we do? Um, I think what, what what I would have done if I was the Jets is I would have tried to move a couple veteran pieces for draft picks. Mm-hmm. Um, see what you got in Hackenberg. Um, you know, kind of stuck for luck kind of mentality. Um, you know, if 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 
get a top pick, and Peppers is there, you take him. If Hackenberg's not the guy, you take one of the quarterbacks. He's a kid from Miami or the kid from Clemson, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, uh, you know, take a real step towards rebuilding, actually have a conscious effort towards building an offense. Um, the, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a disaster. And it's the same exact year in, year out, this is what the Jets do. Every single year, they give you a spark of confidence. And then they turn around and screw you. Now, were you in the uh, do the Jets keep Wilkerson camp or dump him camp? I am in the camp of I'm I'm a I love the way the Patriots built. I mean, you look at what the Patriots did with uh, at the trade deadline with um, uh, shipping out Collins, yep. bringing in Van Noy. They they sell high, they buy low. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't think it's about stars. I think it's about having like a cast of role players and everybody that, you know, a bunch of guys that do their job. You know, um, uh, Wilkerson, I mean, the entire the Jets front line has been completely ineffective this year. So I, I would have tried to have uh, gotten a pick for Wilkerson myself. Yeah. Now, do you think uh, Bryce Petty sees any time today down in Miami? I mean, I would like to see both Petty and um, I don't know if it'll happen today. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely want to see both Petty and Hackenberg at some point this season. I'm a Giants fan, by the way. I just follow the Jets because they're a lot more interesting. Yeah, of course there. There's always seems to be a controversy over there in Florham Park. It's always there's always something. It's always it's, something, it's, you're right. Yeah, it's crazy. So what do you got? Um, Giants or Eagles today? What do you got? This is gonna be a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um I, I kind of I'm not I'm a realist, man, and the Eagles look good. Yeah. You know? Uh the Giants defense has been tremendous this year, how um and if we've you know, like they're they're Offense has shown uh, flashes. You know, I mean, we all know what Beckham could do. You know, I mean, there's either, I mean, I'm not saying he's not coverable, but he's very capable of having monster games. Mm-hmm. The, the running game's non existent, though, so it's kind of hard to give the defense a break when, you know, you can't move, you can't string together a five minute drive, yeah, you know? Sure. Sure. Well, and you know uh, Eli has zero confidence in that O line. Yeah, well, I mean, well, you know what, though? He should, because I think last week I had on. Stat that he he has been sacked like one of the, like the least amount of times like the third least in the NFL, which is kind of astounding to me. To be honest with you, I don't know how that happens. He, he the, what I've noticed with Eli is he gets the ball out of his hand quick, mm-hmm. um, and he's getting it out quicker this year than he has in the past, which is I believe is a sign that he you know has zero faith in his offensive line. Yeah, but um, that that's the, the reason Eli's not getting sacked is because he's getting rid of that ball before, you know. Before anyone's getting to him, yeah, I think uh, I think Flowers might might actually be a little bit more of an inside guy. Um, yeah, he just seems weird in space. He seems awkward. He doesn't really move well. Mm-hmm. But uh, if he gets his hands on you, he just physically dominates you. Yeah, so I, I think uh, he could be a Pro Bowl guard. Definitely not a Pro Bowl left tackle. Now, do you uh, you have a fantasy football team? I assume. Yeah, I have three. You have three of them. All right. So, do you have any questions for uh, Gre- uh, Greg Larner? He's from CBS Sports. He's on the line now too. Um, uh, any tough decisions you got to try to make today? No, my teams are dirty, man. <laughs> I'm running away with the bye week this week, but yeah, I mean, if you're doing well, that's that's good. Yeah, I do zero running back strategy. Um, so I, you know, I hit three. I got three receivers early. Um, and I've been pretty nasty with picking up uh, free agent receivers, uh, running backs. You know, that's exactly how you need to do it. You can't go high on the running backs. You got to go, you know, those wide receivers first, and then you know you kind of get into the running back pool in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Fifth, sixth, seventh round. Try and you know hit on one, string together a couple good weeks, put together a couple good you know matchups. I hit on Ryan, Matt Ryan, so I'm pretty happy about that. There you go. Yeah, you had a good week last week with Matt Ryan. Thursday night football. 
He's been carrying me. He's he's, he's awesome. I, I love it. I, I feel bad for people who draft like Newton High. I, I don't get it. What <laughs> yeah. are you doing in the third round picking a quarterback? I don't know. All right, Chris. Uh, all right. Well, good. Great thank, show, guys. Yeah, Take th- care. thank you for your show. We'll be back. Thank I mean, you, thank you for your call. We'll be back at uh, 11 o'clock next Sunday. So you know where to find us. <laughs> yep. Thank Take you. Care. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Oh, I have a question actually from Facebook, Greg, for you. Now, sure. Nick on Facebook wants to know. Eagles D against the Giants or the Chiefs D against the Jags? I'd say I, I'd probably go Chiefs Chiefs D against the Jaguars just because for the the amount of reasons that we've kind of named throughout the first half of this portion here, the segment where you know you're taking the you're taking the Chiefs. I just I just think the Chiefs defense is just nasty, and, and Blake Bortles. We've seen him not be able to perform against good defenses uh, at all this year, so. For me, and they're in Kansas City. That's going to be a tough place for Bortles and the Jaguars to play. So you go, you're going, uh, you're going Chiefs D over the Jags. I'm going Chiefs D. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So where were we? Go ahead. I forget where we were. Exactly. Well, you have to go. I, don't, I mean, I don't want to take like I don't want to take too much of your time. I know you're on a tight schedule today. Yeah. Give me, uh, give me your top quarterback, your top running back, and your top wide receiver. Real quick. To play or to sit? To play. All right. We got Dak Prescott at quarterback. I think he's got a great matchup versus the Browns. Only one quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick hasn't thrown at least two touchdowns against them. Uh, and they've given up three touchdowns in back to back weeks. Uh, so I'm looking for Dak Prescott to have a nice big week this week. Love Charcandrick West. Uh, we'd mentioned Spencer Ware is going to be out. He's got a cake matchup with those Jaguars, which, uh, they've been pretty flimsy this year against the run. So I'm expecting Charcandrick West to run all over them. Four, they've given up four running back touchdowns in two weeks and one touchdown to a running back in four straight games. And when Charkandrick West has gotten an opportunity last year and he had 20-plus touches in a game, that's equated in 120 yards, over 120 yards, and a touchdown in every single game. So I really like his outlook for today. Wide receiver-wise, let's see. I love Kelvin Benjamin Mm. uh, today. Wide receiver, obviously, Carolina Panthers. He's a sub-wide receiver. He's 6'5". The dude is huge. He's got a great matchup against uh, what has been basically a poultry Rams secondary who have the third fewest sacks in the league. So if you're kind of thinking about it, you might think, Greg, what what does sacks have to do with Kelvin Benjamin? Well, if they can't get pressure on Cam Newton, he's going to have plenty of time to run around, make plays, and he'll be able to find that big, tall, wide receiver in Kelvin Benjamin. He's had 70-plus yards in three straight games. He's matched up. He'll be probably matched up most of the time. On 5-10 EJ games, and like I mentioned, Benjamin is 6-5. So there will be plenty of yards to gain on uh, Mr. EJ games today. And uh, for the tight end slot, Gary Barnage is the guy that I'm looking at. He's a good streamer option at tight end. You know, we have tons of guys on buys. The tight end pool is usually shallow as it is. So Cody Kessler starting today. We'll see if they can kind of get on the same page. He has at least five targets in seven straight games. Uh, and the Cowboys, they're giving up the uh, top 10 most fantasy points versus tight ends. So I'm looking at Gary Barnage to have a good week. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet, but I'm hoping <laughs> this may be the weekend. Yeah. And uh, real quick, because I heard it on the radio on the way in here, um, Des Bryant against the Browns defense. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was uh, he was another guy that I had written down. I, I went through a couple more yeah. uh, just in case we need to fill up some time. And, uh, yeah, I had Des Bryant as one of my, my starters for the uh, – uh, for the wide receiver position, I, I really like him a lot. And I thought that was an obvious one because obviously going up against the Browns, their yeah. secondary is, is doo doo as well. So <laughs> I would uh, I would definitely go with Des Bryant. Okay, so Greg, just shout out where everybody can find your work, please. 
All right, it's uh, on Facebook at the Word with G. You know, they got that little search bar, that little search nifty search bar at the top. Just mm-hmm. type in the Word with G, and you can find me on there. Follow me. I always post up my fantasy football videos on Tuesdays and Fridays. I do startup systems on Friday, and then I do waiver wire pickups on Tuesday. You can find my article on CBS Sports Radio, and of course, you can find me on Twitter always at glarn34. That's G L A R N thirty four. All right. Well, Greg. Well, uh, thanks thanks for your info- insight today. Um, you're always on target, it seems like, so you're doing a good job with it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for giving me the platform. Yeah, no no problem. Okay, so we'll see you next week then. All right, sounds good. All right, bye. All right, see you later. All right, so that was Greg Larnard from CBS Sports looking for this week's inactive stardoms, pretty much. We didn't really get into sit-ums, but, but definitely stardoms. Um, like I said, I, like I said to him, he always does a great job. So if you have any other fantasy football questions, he's here every week. You can sh- just shoot them over to me anytime throughout the week, and I'll save them for him for um, for Sunday. Uh, we have one viewer on Periscope. We have three on Facebook Live, which is my new thing. Uh, let me just uh, give a quick shout-out to everything that I've been doing on Twitter, at Coach McCartan, Periscope, at Coach McCartan, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, YouTube, just type in Coach McCartan on there too, SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan, iTunes Podcast, also Coach McCartan, and my Pride and Joy new website, ProSportsRundown.com. Okay. All right. So um, we're going to take a little bit of a different direction this week. I'm honored to have on Todd O'Neill. He's a Louisiana native. I previewed it before. He's a next, Nash Next National Country Contest winner. Uh, we talked a lot about country music. His near and dear to his heart, New Orleans Saints. He bleeds golden black. And he's going to be singing the national anthem at the Lions Saints game on December 4th from the Superdome. Uh this year, this season, uh, week 13, I think it is. So we're in week 9 now. Uh, we even got into Todd's thoughts on the National Anthem protests. So I, I do take pride in this. We, we are, I have three songs from him, two clips, and one full song, his new single. And um, please take a listen. If, if you haven't heard him, Todd O'Neill, he's, real, he's great. I'm a fan. I am definitely a fan right now. So this is the world premiere, the debut of my interview with country music star Todd O'Neill. You guys are listening to 60 Minute Overtime, and today I have a special guest, country music star, Todd O'Neill. He's the winner of the National Nash Next competition across all of the radio stations in America. That song you just heard was called Dead or Famous, and uh, Todd, let me just turn this over to you. What is that song about? And uh, just explain the backstory behind it. Well, you know, um, music is my life. It always has been. And that song definitely is like the story of my life, you know, and uh, I'm so passionate about what I do, and I love it so much. I'm going to do it until I'm dead or famous. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great lead-in because, you know, with the Nash Next competition, you are on the on the road to become quite famous here, Todd. Now, um, it was a long process. The Nash Next competition started in July. You, you, you're fresh off winning it. I mean, October 25th was your big win. What were what was like that whole process like the ups and the downs? Well, I'm going to tell you, it was more ups and downs definitely. Uh, it was a very exciting process, you know, as far as uh, getting over there, getting into Nashville, meeting uh, 
so many wonderful judges of Kicks Brooks, Scott Borchetta, uh, Daniel Bradbury, Jaden Marcus, and to, and to get to perform for them and that room that night was just so incredible. That was the big up. Uh, the down <laughs> was nerves, definitely. You know, um, the young fables, um, Spin, uh, Trey Team, uh, Murphy Ford, all the uh, all the competition there that night, and uh, I was just so incredibly nervous. I was shaking in my boots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, and you just name-dropped a couple people. Now, have you been able to meet any uh, country stars since your win? Since my win, uh, I actually got to shake hands with half of Hall & Oates. Wow. Um, yeah, Mr. John Oates was, was actually there that night. And uh, um, since then, uh, I was in, um, in Nashville for uh, the CMAs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't actually get to go to the CMAs, but I got invited to after party and at the after party was uh, uh, Dustin Lynch Thompson Square uh, Daryl Worley um, I mean so many Craig Campbell uh, so many people that have influenced my career and, and you know where I've come over the over the past few years you know so it was very very incredible to get to uh, share that night with them yeah, that's great. There's no doubt that, in my mind, you're going to be invited and maybe even on that stage next year. So don't worry about that. Oh, I got my fingers crossed. <laughs> so uh, you just touched on it. Who would you say is your biggest or greatest musical influence? Oh, man, I have so many. Um, you know, here lately it's been uh, Chris Stapleton. I-, I-, I love Billy Carrington's uh, voice. Uh, but, you know, back in the day, reaching back back in the, uh, in the files here, it would be uh, singers like, Paul Rogers from Bad Company. Anything Merle Haggard does, uh, has done, I, I, I love, you know. Um, let's see, I think one of my all-time favorite singers, and I've, and this is the vinyl that I've, I've been spending lately. I, I spend vinyls like an old man. <laughs> but uh, it's got to be Ryan Millsap. I mean, such a smooth vocal. The songs are great. They, uh, they have a little bit of everything in in his music, you can hear all kind of different uh, genres in his country, you know. So Ronnie Millsap would have to be uh, my favorite uh, right now. That's that's the, the, the flavor of the week. <laughs> so now when someone listens to your music, that's a great segue because, you know, you're from Louisiana, and I visited um, New Orleans maybe two years ago, and just the jazz scene is incredible there. Uh, how, how is that, or has it incorporated itself into your country music? Well, you know, Louisiana, and I'm so glad you said that, Louisiana is a melting pot of music. It doesn't matter where you go in the state. They're going to have, they're going to have great music, and, and there's going to be a, a very wide variety. Uh, you know, and you can drive an hour, and it's going to be totally different. New Orleans is, you know, it's, uh, it's blues. It's anything from Delta to, to jazz to Cajun, Zotico, you go over to Lafayette, you're going to definitely get that Zotico, Cajun feel, and, uh, you know, there's country and, and and soul and Delta and everything all across the state, so hearing all of this different music coming up uh, has just totally impacted the way I sing, the way I, I, I perform on stage, so um, 
I'm so grateful to be from such a such a diverse state. That clip was just from a song called Playing Around with Love. Now, Todd, you got to tell me, what is this song about? Well, you know, it's pretty cut and dry. <laughs> I always joke and I say on stage, you know, Mama always warned me not to, not to do stupid stuff. Don't play around with, with guns or don't play too close to the water. Or, you know, but she never warned me, don't play around with love. And uh, that's exactly what this song is about. It's about a guy who uh, was kind of dismissive in his relationships, you know, and until he found that right one, and then she really didn't want him back. <laughs> you know, it was, was kind of the, the shoe was on the other foot. From Louisiana, I, I could bet that you're a big New Orleans Saints fan. Is that a true statement? That's absolutely correct. <laughs> I, I love to, I, I've actually, this year I've spent uh, a few uh, Sundays in the Dome and got to uh, 50-yard line with a buddy of mine. And, and, and watch and play and you know I think if uh, you're you're a true fan of your team win or lose you're going to be there and I'm excited to, uh, to to always get in the in the dome and and go watch those boys play. The Saints have one of the best home field advantage stadiums in the NFL. That's like widely well known. So from a fan perspective, what's it like? Because I've never been there. What's it like to experience a game in the Superdome? You know, it doesn't matter if you're up top in the nosebleeds or if you're on the 50-yard line. And trust me, I've been in both situations. <laughs> the uh, the camaraderie from, from the fans, the, the stadium, I mean, the dome is just incredible. You know, the lights the uh, and the hoodats, <laughs> you know. Yeah. The hoodats coming across, I mean, just everybody stomping their feet and clapping their hands and and, uh, you know, the who that screams. So it's, it's, it's incredible. Now, I can imagine that a typical Saints tailgate is probably unlike any other tailgate in the NFL. Uh, were you able to experience that? Like, what kind of foods do they have there, especially? Ooh, that's the, that's the best. <laughs> you talk about Louisiana music, you talk about the sports, where you hit my heart is right there. It's the food, baby. I mean, it, you know, we got jambalaya, we got gumbo. When it's in season, we have the crawfish, mm-hmm. and uh, everything's hot and spicy. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, if you're not ready for it, it's a, it's a smack in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and now I guess um, this, is, this is really, really huge news. You're slated to sing the national anthem. It's the Lions at Saints game on December 4th. That's a, that's a huge thing for you. Are you, are you nervous? Am I nervous? I, 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 excuse me. I gotta be totally honest with you. As soon as uh, we confirm that, I mean, it's such an important song, you know. And um, a fellow Louisianian uh, just sang the national anthem for the Cubs game. Hunter Hayes. I watched his his interview beforehand, you know, and he says, you know, going in and rehearsing is one thing, but actually getting in there and you know the the stadium's full and Everybody's screaming, and you know, you're under a microscope. It's a very important song, and you just, you really don't want to mess it up, especially in, in the times that we're in right now. 
so what are you looking forward for most at that game? Will you have a big family and friends section there, I assume? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm definitely going to be uh, front and center of, you know, my manager, uh, my 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 family. It's going to be, uh, I'm going to be making some serious eye contact with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, what if you happen to make some eye contact with some players? Are you hoping to meet anybody uh on either of the teams? Absolutely. You know, I would love to uh, get to shake Drew Brees' hand and uh, tell him what a fan I am. And, you know, I think Drew is just one of those guys that uh, he's an outstanding human being. And, and uh, the morals and the um, the respect that that guy has for the game, it, it's just incredible. So I, I, I look forward to uh, maybe shaking Drew's hand. Are you worried that uh... – Speaking of uh, you know morals and integrity and all that, are you worried that any of the players are, are still going to be protesting the anthem at that point? You know, I honestly had a dream about that last night. Oh wow! Uh, and and that's that's a big fear of mine. You know, I'm, I consider myself a patriot, and uh, you know, I think the song is not about whether or not you want to stand. It's it's about the men and women who have. Uh, have fallen protecting the country and, and, you know, sure, they have their freedom, they have their rights. I, I just, I don't believe it should be during that time. That's just not the right time and place. You know, I, there's a time and place for everything. And I, I just don't think the national anthem is, is a spot or a, a, a time of protest. Yeah, and it seems to be that the uh, NFL fans agree because the ratings have been down, and they, they said that was the number one reason why people aren't watching the NFL anymore. So I think you're on to something there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of sad, you know, that uh, we can't just go to a game and stand for our heroes and put our hands on our hearts and, and, and do what's, what's right. You know, I, I just wish they would uh, pick their own time to protest. No. Growing up in Louisiana, now Hurricane Katrina, they opened the Superdome as, as basically like a sanctuary for anybody affected by the hurricane. Um, we're in New Jersey. We had Hurricane Sandy ourselves. But what was the impact of that, of the Superdome opening? With We saw the images of the cots and the Red Cross there. What's that impact on the community? Uh, you know, it's something that, uh, that people down here, if you live through it, you never really forget that. And... Um, you know, I think it, it, it made us better. It made us stronger. It, it actually brought people together. Mm-hmm. And, and it didn't matter creed, color, race, anything like that. I mean, it really brought people together in a very trying time. And um, so I, I was very proud to be from Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina. You know, and, um, and the perseverance. We're, we're resilient down here. You know, and uh, also it made us smarter. <laughs> it was it was a big, uh, big uh, learning curve, I guess you'd say, but uh, it, it educated us. So now, when we some, see something like that coming, we're getting the heck out of dodge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so now, Carrie Underwood is the voice of Sunday Night Football. She sings the the theme song when they open up every Sunday night. How big is that? What is the impact on country music? For that to happen, well, I, I believe that uh, you know, reaching that 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 huge audience like that, um, whether you're a country fan or not, when you hear Carrie Underwood sing anything, <laughs> she can sing the phone book. In my opinion, I when say that all Underwood, the time. <laughs> 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 uh, 
true, though. You know, I mean, it really is. And why is my voice so high? <laughs> because I'm, think, I'm thinking about Carrie Underwood. <laughs> and please don't tell her um, hockey playing husband that I said that. <laughs> he might, he might take you out back. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, uh, she's definitely one of my favorites, and uh, probably my favorite female vocalist ever. Besides, you know, Reba McIntyre. Yeah. Martina McBride. So reaching the 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 giant audience like that that's that's a great that's a great thing for country music. Absolutely, and um, you know, singing that song for the NFL, she's reaching fans, new fans, and uh, showing people that uh, look, country music has a voice. All right, so you know, uh, I don't want to take too much too much of your time, but so this, this, you guys are listening to Todd O'Neill on 60 Minute Overtime. He has, I'm sure, have had a whirlwind after winning the National X competition. So I just want to thank you for joining me, and um, and, and I wish you luck. Oh, well, thank you so very much, and uh, I, I hope to talk back to you soon. And uh, hey, if you're ever in New York, New Jersey, I would love to come out to a show. Well, I'm coming. Uh, I'll be there. November 14th, 15th, and uh, I'm going to be hanging out with Rascal Flash, introducing the band at uh, Madison, Madison Square Garden. All right, so you guys heard it. Um, he'll be here November 14th, 15th at the Garden, so get your tickets now, everybody. Hi, guys, I'm Todd O'Neill, and this is my new song, I Got Your Number. I would really like to take the time to, to thank the folks at Nash Next and Big Machine and Country Hen Suites, I and mean, it's, it's been an incredible ride. got no reason for believing you're by yourself tonight and I know you better than you even know yourself that's right whoa, whoa, whoa. when I'm alone I pick up the phone I ain't gonna call this girl I got your number gonna call this girl I got your number Some noise downtown tonight and get myself high as a pine and never come down. That's right. Oh, oh, oh. when I'm alone, I pick up the phone. I ain't gonna call this girl, I got your number. Oh, 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 I got your number, but you ain't got me. 
to be. Oh, oh, oh. When I'm alone, I pick up the phone. I ain't gonna call. Cause girl, I got your number. And that was country music star Todd O'Neill. I wish him the best. I I, I really loved talking with him. I really loved, you know, just hearing what he had to say about about the Saints, about about the the humanitarian aspect of the Saints and, and of course, his music. And um, he was great. So if you guys have not yet done it, as I've been saying, check out Todd O'Neill. He's going to be coming around uh, here very soon, next week, in fact. And and go see him. He's a great guy, very personable, and I can't wait to meet him in person because he he, you know, loved him. I loved him, and I loved everything he had to say. So thank you, Todd, for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and talk with me. By the way, speaking of the national anthem protest, Todd O'Neill's Saints are taking on the 49ers at 4:05 p.m. on Fox, and the Saints are four-point favorites. Speaking of getting numbers, here's mine. Got something to say? Call the studio, 201-825-1234. Jonathan Hankins from the New York Giants. You're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on 90.3 FM. Now listen, I've done a lot, a lot of research this week about the New York Giants because I did think I was going to be able to go to the game as a media member, but guess what? Since I can't... Now, I have an issue. First of all, before we get into Giants-Jets, uh, they're not playing each other, obviously, but I have a huge issue with scheduling. Who is the brains behind at the NFL Network? Now, this sounds pretty bougie, as Craig Carton would say, but we have two New York teams. What is their problem? Because they've put both the Jets and the Giants on at 1 o'clock today in divisional matchups. The Eagles taking on the Giants. Giants-Eagles, NFC East, obviously. Jets-Dolphins, AFC East. What the heck is their problem? Normally, around here, we get to have the Giants at 1 or the Jets at 1 and then the Giants or Jets, the other team, at 4. That's just how it is. And I am not a happy customer right now, everybody. Who thinks of this? Who thinks of this? What? Who am I supposed to watch? Am I supposed to watch the Giants? Or am I supposed to watch the Jets? Flip in between them? Come on. Come on. So whoever over at NFL in the scheduling department figured that out, you deserve to lose your job. That's not right. Making me choose between the Giants and Jets at 1 o'clock. In divisional matchups? 
Come on. Come on. All right. So like I said, I've done a lot, a lot of research on the Giants this week. The Giants are taking on the Eagles in the NFC East matchup 1 p.m. from MetLife Stadium, East Rutherford, New Jersey. On TV, you can find them on Fox. Uh, the radio is WFAN 660 AM and 101.9 FM. WFAN is the Giants radio network. Should be Bob Papa on the call today. So my preview, my look in. The Philadelphia Eagles are led by rookie phenom quarterback Carson Wentz. First round draft pick. They're going to travel northbound, or they have traveled northbound, on the New Jersey Turnpike to MetLife Stadium. Home of quarterback Eli Manning's New York Giants. Sunday, November 6, 2016, which is today. This will showcase a gritty clash of clans as both teams are 4-3 and three, entering Week 9 action. Manning acknowledges the level of importance of this game, and I quote, All the division games are huge, and I have been around long enough to know that once you get into November and December, they are all big games. I mean, they all mean something. It is going to get tight in the division, and so these are the big games. End quote. Now currently, and this is, this is my article, you can find this article on BackSportsPage.com. Currently, the Giants have the upper hand, as they are the only team in the NFL to have handed the Dallas Cowboys, who is the NFC East leader, a loss. The Giants are 3-3 three and three in the conference, where the Eagles are 2-3. and three. When Giants general manager Jerry Reese was asked about goals in the divisional race, he replied, quote, we have to play one game at a time. I can't remember when we beat the Eagles the last time. We need to get out there and play a good game on Sunday. Let's start with the Eagles, end quote. Late season football is heating up. Manning said, quote, The young guys, the rookies, are playing at a high level, and they're playing great football. So I just have to keep up with the young guys and make sure that I'm playing good football too, end quote. The Giants' confidence in this matchup resides in 12-year veteran, two-time Super Bowl champion, 35-year-old Captain Manning's level of experience. After all, what does 23-year-old rookie Wentz know about the bitterly intense Eagles-Giants rivalry? Currently, though, the Eagles have the momentum working against them. They left Dallas licking their wounds after an overtime shootout with the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football's national stage this past week, week 8. Manning, quote, watched the first half and then called it a night, so he didn't get into the second half, adding, they will break it down on film. It's always tough to kind of tell exactly what a team is doing on the TV version. It is better to watch it on film. End quote. The Giants, conversely, are well-rested, energized, and coming off a mid-season bye week. Manny explained the importance of the pause. Quote, it is a great time to get that bye week. It is in the middle of the season. We haven't been going for a long time. Rest the body, rest the mind. But we all know that we are coming back and being fully recharged and ready to make a run. End quote. GM Jerry Reese approached the bye week with more of a laissez-faire attitude, if you will telling reporters that, quote, he went to a college game this past weekend and didn't keep track of other NFL action very much, end quote. With some key injuries, including Eli Apple, Darian Thompson, Nat Burley, etc., Coach Ben McAdoo optimistically said, quote, we have some guys who are working through some things today. We will know more Wednesday, but today was a good start to the week, end quote. Let me just interrupt this very quickly to tell you that as we were just talking, Ben Roethlisberger is expected to start today for the Steelers. Okay, so you guys, fantasy football, here it is. 
Roethlisberger is playing, starting. You might want to you might want to pick him up real quick and, and, and take him off your bench. <laughs> All right. So now I had done a lot of research on this. My original Giants keys to the game today. Number one. Number one way the Giants are going to win today. Offensive efficiency. Now we we touched on it a little bit with Greg. And, and uh, that caller, Chris from Mawa, that called in, he was great. Besides a running game that ranks dead last in the NFL in rushing yards and rushing yards per game, efficiency and execution have restricted the Giants this entire season. Coach McAdoo agrees, quote, we need to run the ball a little bit better, but we need to execute, end quote. Now, over the course of the season, the Giants also, in, in terms of offensive efficiency, have been abysmal on third down. They've converted only 34.9% of the time, and even less, 38.8% of the time, in London versus the Rams, the last game that they played. That's awful. That means out of every 10 times they go into third down, they convert like 3.5 times, 3.5 times. That's, that's awful. And their red zone efficiency also leaves much to be desired as well. They're ranked 29th in the league of, of 32 teams in scoring points when they get into the red zone. 42.1%, in fact. And at home, which they are today, the Giants are even worse. They've only scored at home at MetLife Stadium 20% of their trips to the red zone. 20% of their trips to the red zone. That's it. Talk about abysmal. What's a worse word than abysmal? I don't know, because that's, that's what's going on with the Giants in the red zone at MetLife Stadium. So they definitely, my number one key to the game, need to be uh, more efficient on offense and execute a little bit better on offense. Number two, defensively, this is going to be a defensive game today, okay? So they need to uh, effectively have third down defense. The Giants are 25th in the league in third down defense. And they have allowed their opponents to successfully convert on third down pretty much almost half the time, 43.2% of the time. Now, Giants safety Landon Collins has this concept in mind entering Sunday's game. Quote, we're making it a key concept to get off the field on third downs. We're getting off the field, but we want to make it a, to a point to get more three and outs. We want to have their percentage be under 35%, quote unquote. That may not be too difficult, I think, because the Eagles' offense has struggled on third down. Actually, they've been ranked 29th in the league, and the, the 35% that Landon Collins wants to keep them under, their average is, is 35%, 34.8 conversion rate. So that, I don't think, is going to be a hard thing for the Giants to do. So advantage, check, Giants in uh, third down. Defense, that is. Uh, number three, the Giants must contain the Eagles' pass rush. The Eagles' defense will enter MetLife Stadium tied for the third most sacks in the league with 26. The Giants are prepared for it, Manning explains. Quote, their pass rush has been very good. In some games, they will bring some pressure in blitzes. But for the most part, it is their front four getting pressure on the quarterback. They have good push, so it's going to be a great challenge for our offensive line. We have to understand... We are going up against maybe the most talented defensive front that we will face, and we have a big challenge ahead of us, end quote. Concerns about the health and robustness of the Giants' offensive line may be overblown, though. It has allowed Manning to be dropped behind the line of scrimmage only 11 times this season, tied for second least. 
And as the caller Chris from Mawa just said, it's because Eli Manning has a quick release on, on his passing plays, which is true. Definitely true. Number four, Giants must contain quarterback Carson Wentz. It is no secret that first-round draft pick Wentz has been the Eagles' savior this season, no doubt. What are his dominant qualities? Landon Collins explains, quote, mobility. He has a great arm, and he keeps his eyes down the field. Great vision down the field, and can make things happen, end quote. Giants secondary may have had the advantage this week, as they are coming off a dominating four-interception performance in London. Additionally, in that game, Collins returned an interception 44 yards for a touchdown. Collins remains optimistic for a Giants win on Sunday. We're trying to be one of those teams that, that's at the top at the end of this road, end quote. When asked for Manning's favorite Giants-Eagles memories, he responded, quote, Early on, I hit Plaxico for a game winner in overtime in Philadelphia. The first one that popped into my head, maybe in 05 or 06, end quote. So fans can expect a wild, tight game today. And Eli says, we always seem to have a, a, a lot of tight games against the Eagles and some big games against them. So you always know you're going to get a tough opponent, a physical team. So I'm looking forward to this matchup, says Eli. <laughs> Hopefully. And Wednesday night, a special treat for you guys, Wednesday night, uh, I had gone out and I was able to speak with Giants linebacker Devon Kennard at the Yogi Berra Museum and Learning Center. We discussed his keys to the game, in addition to many other things, and he participated in my athlete lightning round. So this is uh, 5 minutes and 42 seconds of uh, me, Danielle McCartan, with uh, Giants linebacker Devon Kennard. I'm Danielle McCartan here at the Yogi Berra Museum and Learning Center with Giants linebacker Devin, Devon, Devon Kennard. Um, we just had a great panel on sportsmanship and, and everything that goes along with it. Now I'm going to start asking you questions about the Giants-Eagles rivalry <laughs> to play off of that. So did you watch the Sunday night football game this past Sunday? Yeah, I got to, got to watch the first half and then I went to bed. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so what did you see from, from the Eagles in that game? Uh, I was surprised that when I woke up, they ended up losing because yeah. well, last I saw it was 20 to 10, and they were looking like they were clicking on all cylinders. And it seems like they have a really good defense. So I know being a defensive player, our, our defense has to play better than they do. Yeah, you. I came across something. You take like a very good like a notes system. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. can you just explain that for like the young players out there that that think it's just show up and play? Uh, you know, I'm very detail oriented, so I like to throughout the week get as much down as I can. And I go through and I highlight the important things. You know, if, if I see a tendency that they do a lot, mm -hmm. that's something I might highlight. So, you know, at the end of the week when it's getting closer to game day, you know, I might wake up in the morning and I just go through all the notes I have from the week and, and uh, look at my highlighted points especially. So, so, uh, so when I go out on the during the game, it's, it's, sim it's simpler. I see something and it's like, oh, I remember that they do this in that situation. So, you know, it's, it's never a guarantee, but it just puts me in a position to where I know what to expect. Sounds like school. <laughs> All right, so um, a couple keys to the Giants-Eagles game I found, I've, I've come up with. So the Cowboys edged the Eagles in overtime on Sunday Night Football. What is your plan as a linebacker to, c to contain Carson Wentz? Uh, you know, he actually does a really good job of just monitoring the game. So I think it actually starts with stopping the run. Okay. You know, if we make him one-dimensional, you know, he's still a rookie quarterback. He still has um, – he's shown great ability, but they, they've, you know, kind of – their cornerstone's been being able to run the ball and, and um, you know, their pass game off of that. So if we can make them one-dimensional, I think it's going to put us in good shape. But then Darren Sproles is averaging five yards per carry. Yeah. you got to get some push from the front four. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it comes with the linebackers, too. But, you know, their scheme and what they do is, is really huge. And then you have running backs like Ryan Matthews and Darren Sproul. You know, it, um, it makes it easy. So, you know, we got our hands full. But, you know, we've been playing the run better and better. And, and it really has to show up this week. So you guys were the only – the Giants were the only team to beat the Cowboys this season. Their only loss in the whole NFL. What is this impact of this game on the NFC East on Sunday? I think it's huge. You know, it puts us in, a, in the exact position we want to be in moving forward. And if, um, if we can get this win, you know, I think it just propels us into um, a good situation going into the rest of the season. Now, the, coming, the, the Giants coming off the bye week and then the Eagles coming off the late, late Sunday game, does that give you so, sort of an advantage in this competition, you think? Uh, I don't know if it's an advantage. You know, there's always games where we have more time. But, um, you know, we definitely got a, uh, got an extra day to prepare. And it's, it's a it's a, a team that we're comfortable with because we have to play every year. So, you know, we, we kind of know what to expect to some degree with their personnel and who they have. And it's going to be a grudge match. You know, it's going to be a physical one. Now, um, the Giants, Eli has come out in the beginning of the season. In your opinion, are the Giants still a playoff team? Absolutely. You know, we're 4-3 and three right now, and all, we have all the opportunity in the world. It just depends what we do these next nine weeks, and I think the guys are focused, and if we can get this big win, we always say that, um, you know, the, the divisional games count as two. So, you know, if we can get this win, that counts as two wins in our, in our mind. So, you know, it starts there. Now, you mentioned it during the panel. Your dad is a Super Bowl winner with the Cowboys. What's that like at home, Are You playing for the Giants now? I think he's finally gotten comfortable with the fact that my family's Giants fans now and not Cowboys. I think he finally accepted it. But, yeah. you know, I actually flew, flew my mom and dad out to the Cowboys game nice. um, this year in Dallas. And I think it was cool for him to be able to see the new stadium because he hasn't been yet and stuff. So it was a cool cool experience for him. So did you dress up for Halloween or was that just a rookie thing? Uh, that was just a rookie thing. I got to pick out the costume. I was going to say, did you get to pick any? What did you pick yeah. out? I picked out, I think I had B.J. Goodson in okay. Fred Flintstone costume. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure he loved that. Um, so your thoughts on the international series? The Giants played in London. Um, is that something you guys look forward to every year? Is that kind of like, uh, we have to go all the way to London to play? It was my first time going. I thought it was a great experience. I was definitely tired afterwards. Yeah. So I was glad we had bye week. Yes. But, um, you know, I thought it was a great experience. Now, just um, ending up here, but the jersey swaps, you mentioned it. Is it a cool thing to do? Like, what happens, like, when you mentioned before, the fans are kind of like, eh. Right. What do you think, think about that? For me, it's a great, great opportunity, especially when it's guys that I'm really familiar with. Or, right. You know, some guys, if there's somebody they really respect, they'll ask for their jersey. And, and it's, it's, it's bigger than just that game because, you know, you're talking about something that you're going to remember for the rest of your life. And your kids, kids, kids are going to be able to have this jersey of so-and-so that you, you know, put on your wall in your home. Yeah. So I think it's a really cool thing. Favorite stadium food? Hot dogs. Mustard or ketchup? Ketchup. Favorite TV show? Um, Walking Dead right now. Okay. Musical artist? Drake. Pump up song? Um, right now, all the way up. All the way up. Oh, that's, that's mine too. Uh, favorite sport other than football? Basketball. Your team? Lakers. Greatest athlete of all time? Mm, Muhammad Ali. Ooh, okay. I thought you were going to say Kobe. And who's your funniest teammate? I'm going to have to go with Damon Harrison. Ah, snacks. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much. I'm Danielle McCartan here at the Yogi Bear Museum with Devon Kennard, Giants linebacker. Thank you. Good luck on Sunday. So that was uh, myself and Devon Kennard, Giants linebacker. Um, he still thinks the Giants are a playoff team. I uh, I do agree. I believe the Giants are going to pull out a win today. 20-17 to 17 is my prediction. So let's see how that comes true or not. And uh, in, in other not-so-breaking news, the uh, – Someone has won the NYC, New York City Marathon. 
He's an Olympic athlete. He's 20 years old. His name is uh, Girme Girbalesi. He's from Etrian. He's an Etrian long-distance runner, uh, which is a part of Africa. So someone has won the New York City Marathon already. And uh, Tiki Barber is on place to, to beat, apparently, you know, Giants, Tiki, former running back Tiki Barber. He is running. He will finish, and looks like, in under four hours. All right, so that's a marathon update. He's a first-time winner, and he's the youngest champion. He he won the New York Marathon in two hours, seven minutes, and 51 seconds. That's insane. These people are insane. I can't even run a mile <laughs> in uh, in eight minutes. All right, so that wraps it up for the Giants. You heard it. Uh, you heard it here first. My score, my prediction is going to be the Giants win 20-17. to 17. It's going to come down to the end, and the Giants are going to win on a game-winning field goal, and they're going to let Carson Wentz be the rookie quarterback that he is in the, in the final drive of the game. This is Brandon Marshall, wide receiver of the New York Jets, and you're listening to the 60-minute overtime on WRPR. How cool is that? Brandon Marshall, uh, he's under the spotlight today. The Jets are in Miami. They are on the field for warm-ups as we speak, where the 3-5 and five Jets will take on the 3-4 and four Dolphins in the AFC matchup at 1 p.m. Again, 1 p.m. Uh, Jets TV are going to be on uh, CBS. And on the radio, their their radio network is ESPN 90.8 FM. So I have, uh, what is this, three things to watch. Three things to watch in the Jet game today. Number one is going to be that man, Brandon Marshall, and Byron Maxwell. Uh, I think this could be Odell Beckham, Josh Norman 2.0. Judging by the amount of smack talk and, and tweets that have been going past, you know, between the two of them this week. Uh, all week, pretty much since I think Wednesday was the first day that this happened. Now, uh, this is a great matchup to watch, Marshall and Maxwell. So here's the timeline here. Wednesday, Brandon Marshall says, I don't like him. He holds on every single play. Thursday, Maxwell says, did I hold him every play? No, I never hold. (laughs) Then Maxwell continues in responding by saying, it's a sign that he's getting into Marshall's head. And he says, I might be doing something right right now, huh? Marshall says, I don't know him, but I don't like him. I'm being honest with you. I never had a conversation with this guy. I think he's probably a really nice guy. He seems like a really nice guy. He doesn't say much on the field, but he holds every single play, and I don't like it. Uh, He also said something along the lines of Brandon Marshall said that uh, if that's the game it's going to be, then that's the game he's going to give him. So expect the the referees to have a close eye on this Marshall Maxwell Marshall Maxwell matchup. It's a widely known fact around the league that Brandon Marshall also pretty much holds often. Uh, he pushes off and things like that. Everybody's looking for push off penalties against him while he's playing. So uh, it's going to be a long, dirty game in Miami today. I think it's uh, 86 degrees in Miami today. I wish I was there. But my my number one thing to watch in the Jet game today is going to be definitely Marshall Maxwell. I think Marshall is more talented and and is going to have the upper hand in this matchup, which leads me into the instability at quarterback for the New York Jets. Again, we're going to talk about this again this week. Uh, I think, and as I asked uh, Chris from Awa, does he think he's going? We're going to see uh, Bryce Petty today. Uh, my answer is I, I think I think we are. 
I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he decides to make too many mistakes today, or if he gets hurt, and especially with Geno Smith out, it's going to be Bryce Petty. Okay, even if it's in garbage time, just to see how he how he's up to the challenge. I think Bryce Petty, we will see him today. Uh, they walked out of the tunnel together. I saw the picture, the video of them walking out of the tunnel together with Christian Hackenberg nowhere to be found. Uh, so I think it's Bryce Petty's turn. Uh, because you know what? With the way Fitzpatrick's playing, he signed a one-year deal, which was uh, sort of idiotic on his, his point. Uh, I don't know why he would do that. But he signed a one-year deal for $12 million. He's out at the end of this season. Looks like Geno Smith will be shipped out as well, if all goes according to my plan. And uh, the most drama seems to be at the backup quarterback position for the New York Jets for a long time, for as, as long as I can remember, to be honest with you. So with Geno Smith out, injured, injured out, uh, and the ability, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick took a lick last week that I thought he was going to be under concussion protocol, to be honest with you. He was knocked to the ground. His helmet actually flew off into the sidelines. Someone had to retrieve it for him. So he is tough as nails. He'll play through anything. I, I do give him that. But I think it's Bryce Petty's turn because what is the future of the New York Jets? Ryan Fitzpatrick's not the future. With a one-year contract, the Jets are not going to pay him any more money than what he's already getting. And he's not a, He's not going to want less money. than He that He won't take a pay cut. He wouldn't even sign more than a one-year deal. Is it that time? I think it is that time. I think we, we bring out Bryce Petty and we see what he can do. That's my opinion, and it's been my opinion for a long time. Let's get Bryce Petty out on the field today, and let's see. Because as he told me back in May now, as Bryce Petty told me in May, he's not his goal is not to be a number two guy. I played it for you last week, I think. Give him the start. Let's see what he's capable of. He did well in the preseason. Let's see him in a real game. We haven't seen that yet. He's been here how many years, and we have never seen him start a game, which is mind-blowing for me. And I can't believe that the most drama that the Jets have is at the backup quarterback position. Now, adding to the Jets' drama, they went out and got former um, Bills running back, C.J. Spiller. My question is, why? Why? Because you have... You have veteran running back, Matt Forte. Behind him, you have explosive young guy, Blah Powell. And why on earth would you go out and get C.J. Spiller? I just don't understand. I don't understand that move. If someone would like to explain that to me, I'd be more than happy to listen to you. But I just don't know why the Jets go out and get a third string, a running back to fill a third string position. When... Eric Decker's wide receiver is out for the rest of the season. I mean, they have so many other holes to fill and to plug. And not to mention the fact that Darrell Revis has been getting toasted like like, like toast <laughs> all season long on the deep ball. It's time for him to move out of the cornerback position. And I said it. It's time for him to move out of the cornerback position and move to safety, which is not unheard of in the NFL. I mean, I even asked Jason McCourty. I asked Jason McCourty, is it time? This is over the summer, too. I asked Jason McCourty. As you know, he's the uh, Titans cornerback. I said, is it time for you to move to, to the safety position? And he said, you know what he said to me? Ah, I wish I could find it for you. He made a joke because his brother, as you know, Devin McCourty for the Patriots, is a safety. And he goes, oh, no, I'm not ready to move into into safety. That's for the old man. That's the old man's position. And he laughed. 
But Revis now is an old man. Terrell Revis is an old man. He's bogged down by a couple injuries. It's time for him to go to safety. Will he do it? That's 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 to be seen. But I think that would be the right move. I think someone on the Jets organization has to approach him for about that. So finally, my third thing to watch in the Jet game today is uh, the Dolphins running back, Jay Ajay. Ajay? He had uh, 200-yard games in three consecutive weeks before their bye week. Three 200-yard games. Now the Jets, with Wilkerson, Muhammad Wilkerson, is slated to play today. They need to stop the running game. Because if obviously, you know, if you have a running game, you have a passing game. So the Jets need to stop the running game of the Dolphins immediately, right away. Because if they don't, Tannehill's going to have a field day on the Jets' defense. He, you know, play action fake, this and that. And it, it's going to be bad. So the Jets, one thing to watch, number one, Brandon Marshall, Byron Maxwell. Number two, the quarterback position, Fitzpatrick, Petty, etc. And number three, the running game of the Dolphins. How does that dictate the speed, the possession of this game. Those are my three things to look at. It's 12.30 here on the East Coast. I'm going to get home for the 1 o'clock games. Uh, thanks for, for tuning in on Periscope. I have three people on Periscope right now. On Facebook Live, my first Facebook Live broadcast. Uh, for those of you, you can find my work. Here it is. I'm going to read it off again. Number one, Twitter, at Coach McCartan. Number two, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. YouTube, all my interviews, are, video interviews are up uh, over there. Uh, search Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on there. SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan. iTunes Podcast. Just go to the iTunes store and type in Coach McCartan with space. And uh, my website, ProSportsRundown.com, where I contribute all of the content to that. And anything that I do do, I back it up with my own original content. So there's that. So uh, special guest, uh, thanks to today's special guest, Greg Larnard from CBS Sports for his weekly fantasy football segment. As you know, guys, if you have any fantasy football questions throughout the week, something happens, something comes up, please shoot them over to me because I will pass them along to Greg immediately and they will be answered next Sunday. Also, very still honored to do this, to have him on, uh, country music star, recent recent Nash Next competition winner, Todd O'Neill, talking about the Saints, talking about music and, and giving me his new single to play for you guys. So, I like I, I enjoy having the musicians on. I'm, I'm, my goal is to try and get more of them on, and it's just it, it was great. He, he's great. So if you haven't checked him out, it's Todd O'Neill. I believe it's a Todd O'Neill band, and you can tell you in social media it's hashtag TOB. We also talked about the Cubs, World Champion Cubs, talk you know winning the World Series, about the parade. What else did we do? We did um, and Giants Jets, Giants Jets coverage and my interview with. Giants linebacker Devon Kennard from Wednesday night. So, uh, oh, and I got to give you my prediction. So the Giants are going to win today, twenty to seventeen. The Jets, I believe, are going to win. Now, eighty percent of the people are picking the Dolphins to win. Twenty percent of the people are picking the Jets. I'm going to go with the Jets today. I have a very good feeling. They have a little bit of momentum. Brandon Marshall's fired up, and I think they're going to go down to Miami and win the game. Let me think of a score. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. Let's say, let's say 17-14 Jets. All right, 17-14 Jets, 2017 Giants today. We're going to have a New York win. And by the way, 
when any New York team wins, you get a dollar coffees at Dunkin' Donuts, participating Dunkin' Donuts. That is not a paid sponsorship. <laughs> I just felt like saying that. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up for this week, everybody. I'll be back next week, uh, 11 o'clock Eastern Time. Same channels, lots of channels, video and audio, uh, WRPR, uh, Periscope, and on Facebook Live. I hope next week we have a little more interaction on uh we had a caller today, Chris from Mawa. Oh, yeah, Chris from Mawa. Thanks for calling in. Hope to hear from you again next week. And uh, go Jets. Go Giants. See you guys next Sunday, 11 a.m. Follow me on Twitter, at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.